Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Ryan Cotton, fourth year pharmacy student at the University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy, and you're listening to Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast, broadcasting from DMAX Ankeny Campus. We're going to talk with innovative new practitioners and soon-to-be pharmacy graduates. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD or on YouTube at Tony PharmD, where you can find over 700 pharmacy videos supporting my audiobook, Memorizing Pharmacology, and my other book, How to Pronounce Drug Names. Today, we're talking with Ryan Cotton. Ryan Cotton is a fourth-year Doctor of Pharmacy student at the University of Minnesota, passionate about making an impact in an evolving healthcare landscape by creating unique solutions for managing limited healthcare resources. Following his second year of pharmacy school, Ryan interned at a ClearScript at ClearScript to gain valuable insight into business operation and clinical services of the PBM industry. And in his third year he served on his school's AMCP as his school's AMCP chapter president and led his team to compete in the AMCP National PNT competition. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Uh, Ryan, everyone's leadership road is a little bit different. We want to start with where you are today and how you got into your current position. We have a ton to talk about. You've got a ton in your uh, background, and I really want to get into something which I, I haven't heard a lot about, which is managed care, pharmacy and therapeutics committee. We haven't really talked about these things. Uh, and then, of course, competition. That's always exciting. So uh, tell us a little bit about your leadership road. Sure. So during my first year in pharmacy school, I was given the opportunity to coordinate our school's local P&T or pharmacy and therapeutics competition with our AMCP executive board and quickly became an active member of our school's AMCP student chapter. Throughout my time as a pharmacy student, I served in multiple leadership capacities within the organization before being elected to serve as our student chapter president. Tell me a little bit about that uh, AMCP executive board. What who is that? What is that exactly? It's just a board set up by our school, um, mostly by the student chapter president, um, to assist with the many functions of our organization. Okay. So, so we usually are- have we have a PNT coordinator as one of the main positions. We have a person who's in charge of setting up tours at local managed care organizations. Okay, so you've already got this kind of experience. You're you're running a small division, really. Uh, of a of an organization within the pharmacy school. So, uh, tell me a little bit more about you as president. Um, so, as president of the AMCP Minnesota Student Chapter, I pioneered several new chapter initiatives and developed programming to help pharmacy students ex- explore non traditional opportunities in pharmacy, including the tours of managed care organizations, uh, college visits. We had residency roundtables, recruiting events leadership lunch lectures where we brought in leaders in managed care to speak about their experience. And we also have a a managed care elective course that we created of about 20 pharmacy students. So did you ask for this course or this was something available? How did you approach the professor? Uh, How did you set this up? That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's actually something that our chapter took the initiative to create. We worked with our dean to create a directed studies elective course. And it was just a 
a place where we'd meet once a week and talk about news and managed care. And it's a way for students to practice presenting on topics, on managed care topics to learn from other students and get more knowledgeable about managed care. Well, I know Minnesota is one of the top schools in the country, and it sounds like there's a lot of flexibility uh, with what you know the students want and what the students need, and it sounds like uh, they acted on it. But uh, I think you've traveled more than anyone I've really talked to. You've had a ton of conferences. Can you tell us a little bit about the places that you've been? Yeah, actually, I didn't do much traveling before pharmacy school, unfortunately, but being in pharmacy school, I've had a lot of opportunities through this organization, AMCP, to go to different conferences. So I've been to San Diego, uh, Tampa, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., just to name a few of the places I've been able to have the opportunity to see just by attending conferences. So when you go to these conferences, um, what is it that you bring back? What what are you really looking for when you get there? So take me through uh, maybe one of the last conferences you went to. So you arrive in the city. What do you do? You get there and then what? So I think my approach to the conferences have changed a little bit over time. Initially, when I was a first year student, it was a lot of a lot of there's a large learning curve to managed care so there's a lot of terminologies to understand a lot of different concepts that you might not hear in pharmacy school um, so there is more of an introduction going to different uh, educational sessions and learning about what real managed care organizations are doing to tackle some of the many challenges in healthcare. but as i progress i've realized that networking is so important and this conference is really an amazing opportunity to network with other professionals in your field. And not just so professionals, they, what you've met with lawmakers too, or uh, is this at just within Minnesota? So at the conferences, it's more about managed care and then at home, it's uh, meeting with the lawmakers at the Capitol. Yeah. So the Minnesota pharmacists association, they have a legislative day every year. And so I've been able to attend that the last two years to have the opportunity to speak with our lawmakers about issues facing pharmacists and healthcare. So it actually works out well, right? Because I think the funnel time where those lawmakers are kind of deciding what's going to go into the funnel, what's not going to make it in the funnel is, it for us in Iowa, it's around February. And then your managed care mm -hmm. conferences are in fall, so you can kind of figure out what's going on in managed care, spend time in your elective rotation, work within your organization, and then kind of bring all that together to the legislator. Does it work something like that? Yeah, I think that's... Did, did, that's I, did I kind of, I, I kind of <laughs> answer the question for you? Yeah. Well, one thing that mm -hmm. the, one thing the Minnesota Pharmacists Association does is they, they have a meeting of all the farm, of uh, a lot of influential pharmacists who are very, very knowledgeable on the, on the issues and they educate the group beforehand before talking to legislators and that gets kind of all the pharmacists and pharmacy students up to speed on the current issues and how to approach legislators okay so um, now how did you get practical experience you mentioned that uh, just after your second year you you were at a local PBM uh, and then you learned quite a bit there yeah so I actually worked for Fairview pharmacy services throughout pharmacy school and through the connections I had in that company I was 
able to set up my own rotation at the PBM that they that they have, um, which is called ClearScript. And so I was able to spend four weeks there learning the ins and outs of the PBM or pharmacy benefit management industry. And then once you do that, then you kind of figured out what research papers you were going to do. I, I know you've presented some things. Can you tell me a little bit about the, I feel like it was an orphan drugs or something like that. Yeah. So we're pretty lucky here at the university of Minnesota to have the prime Institute led by Stephen Schonemeyer. Um, and what he does is he, he does research on the pharmaceutical industry. And one of the areas they were looking to get more information on was orphan drugs. And so what, what I did is I worked with him and his research assistant to look at how the orphan drug act, which, so let me back up a little bit. Orphan drugs are drugs for rare diseases. And so in 1983, there was a piece of legislation passed called the Orphan Drug Act, which provided incentives for pharmaceutical companies to produce drugs for rare diseases, which before there, there wasn't much incentive there. Um, and one of the things we noticed was there was a lot of large price increases on many drugs that were considered orphan drugs. And what was most concerning was drugs that were on the market already, which were dead, what would you might consider dead drugs, drugs that were not marketed for any use, but they were just redeveloped for an orphan indication. And so there wasn't much research and development that went into making that drug. So where do they justify increasing the price? Like we've seen with in the news, there's, it's a pretty dramatic um, price increases that that we've seen. Yeah, taking advantage of some supply and demand issues where uh, maybe there isn't a lot of competition and maybe they found some niches where uh, they knew that there wouldn't be the competition. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your competitive spirit because I understand you've uh, been in a number of competitions. You've made it to the uh, Elite Eight, but tell me a little bit about the competitions you've been in and then how you led your team uh, to San Fran and to that Elite Eight. Sure. Well, the, I participated in the AMCP P&T competition each year. And so I did it my first year. And I, I was pretty novice at that point. Um, I didn't really understand managed care and the concepts and the different management strategies that companies use to manage the use of medications. Um, but as I progress each year, I've gotten better and better. And through my experiences in the organization and working with professionals, I've got a lot more insight on how to, on how managed care companies actually manage the use of these drugs. Um, there's a lot of other competitions at the University of Minnesota that I've gotten involved in. There's, there's one called the Clarion Case Competition, and that's an interprofessional competition. So you work with med students, nursing students, um, some students from the business school, just a variety of different health professions to address a, a case or some kind of situation. Um, there's also in the business school, they have a Medtronic case competition sponsored by Medtronic. Sure. And, and that's just a, a pretty cool way to get kind of the business aspect of healthcare and um, coming up with some kind of business solution for Medtronic. 
it sounds like uh, you really, just as you see maybe an athlete develop from freshman to sophomore to junior to senior, you actually have a tangible uh, view of, of the way that you've kind of progressed uh, as a leader. But tell me specifically how uh, the state of Minnesota, I know Iowa is a very progressive state in terms of the things that pharmacists can do. How is Minnesota a progressive state and then allowed you to do some of these things that maybe you can't do in certain other states? Yeah, actually, before pharmacy school, I didn't, I honestly didn't realize how progressive our state was in healthcare and specifically for pharmacy. Um, with pharmacy, one of the really progressive things we have here is we have, we have, um, codes in Medicaid to pay for MTM services. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, but in addition, Minnesota is, um, it's actually a Mecca for managed care. Modern managed care was born here in the 19, in the early 1980s with the first PBM or pharmacy benefit manager. And so as a pharmacy student, I've had a lot of opportunities to work and network with these companies in the twin cities. So you're talking about United health, Prime Therapeutics, Express Scripts, Health Partners, Medica, the UCARE, BCBS of Minnesota. Like, that's a ton uh, of yeah, opportunities. And, and so did you, um, when you come to your APPEs or your APEs, did you decide to stay in Minnesota since you've got so much uh, opportunity there? Or are you uh, traveling around for your uh, fourth year elective rotations? Yeah, I decided to stay um, because we're in Minnesota. We have there's so many opportunities for pharmacists here, so our school really doesn't have doesn't have to send students out of state to complete rotations. So I was able to get enough experience here in the state. Yeah, I've been I've been up top with uh, Grandma's Marathon, so I've seen uh, Duluth. I've been uh, to the Twin Cities certainly for baseball for. Uh, football. I was at that really, what was it, the Minnesota Vikings, the coldest uh, game ever. Uh, so that was fantastic until the very last play. We won't, we won't dwell on that. Uh, but um, my dad actually has a long history with Minnesota. He was with Control Data back when it was a supercomputer power, uh, I want to say 60s and 70s. So we're going way back. But, but tell me why someone would, a uh, pharmacy, pre-pharmacy student, because those are the people that I'm talking to, would choose specifically Minnesota in the first place. What is it about Minnesota that, that makes it a fantastic place to go to pharmacy school? Well, my original intention to come to the University of Minnesota was to challenge myself and surround myself with more like-minded students. Um, Minnesota was the most affordable Big Ten school in my region, and with a plethora of top-ranked programs. I moved to Minneapolis for a, new, for a new experience. I'm originally from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and so this was a big change coming to a big city. I wanted to meet new people and learn about new ideas and cultures we didn't have in South Dakota. And living in Minneapolis, uh, living here has been amazing. There's so many diverse neighborhoods and cultures here, so many interesting people to meet and learn from, and there's always something going on. And the university is at the heart of the city and attracts really attracts the brightest minds across the Midwest and across the world to study and work here. Yeah, and, and uh, I came from uh, Baltimore and ended up, you know, in this, uh, or I came from the suburbs and went to Baltimore, which is a big city, and, and it sounds like that you went from a, a smaller area to a larger area, but, but what was, when you moved 
out of state, it, something changes, something uh, is a little bit different. What was it for you uh, moving from South Dakota to Minnesota? I know we're still in the Midwest, but what was it that uh, really just kind of hit you at first when you when you did get out of state? I'd say new cultures and new ideas. Okay. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's a time to grow. Pharmacy school is a time where you, you really get to kind of progress with a lot of different things. Well, uh, I, I know that you're not going to stop at fourth year. I know you've got a lot going on or you want to have a lot going on after uh, that time at Minnesota. So tell me a little bit more about what you're going to be doing uh, or hoping to do after uh, your P4 year. So right now I'm in the process of applying to residencies, um, specifically in managed care pharmacy. So that's a little bit different than maybe what we've heard already. Uh, we've talked a little bit about community pharmacies. We've talked a little bit about uh, hospital pharmacies, but uh, specifically managed care. I think when I talked earlier, you talked about some kind of 50-50 split between accredited, not accredited, uh, and that it's just different. Tell me, not necessarily bad, not necessarily good, but but tell me what's different about managed care, applying to managed care residencies, knowing that you want that particular uh, niche or niche uh, in, in your pharmacy practice. Yeah, well, I think the biggest difference that students will run across is that there's accredited residencies and non-accredited residencies. There's also even fellowships in managed care pharmacy. Um, accredited really just means that the program meets the requirements of ASHP to have a variety of clinical rotation experiences, and it goes through the forecast match system. Um, programs can choose to be non-accredited for a variety of different reasons. Maybe it serves the company's needs more to have the resident focus more on longitudinal projects rather than spending a short amount of time on each rotation. In addition, many of the non-accredited programs extend offers before the match so they can capture the most talented candidates before the matching process happens and avoid the nightmare of not matching, which is also known as the scramble. Um, best advice I've heard is when you start looking at programs, you should choose if you want to apply to accredited or non-accredited. If you apply to any non-accredited programs, make sure that they would be your top choices because if they offer you a spot, you may have to make a decision before the match. You can always pull out of the match if you accept an offer. The other advantage of non-accredited is not of a non-accredited program is you don't have to pay the $250 minimum to be a part of the forecast match. When do you have to decide that you're going to participate in the match? Can you do the whole managed care thing check all the non-accredited ones out first and then do the match? Or is that something, I'm just not sure if I know the timeline on the match, like when you actually have to say, I'm in. Well, you have to look at each program's deadlines. Okay. Um, and so each, like right now is probably the time you should be deciding if you're going to be in the match or not, because it's about two weeks away is when most of the deadlines start. Start coming start up. Hitting. Okay. Yeah. And so now you've gone from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you've made the leap to the Twin Cities, a big city, and now I think you told me that you're actually focusing on a single state, which is neither of those. Uh, so tell me a little bit about where you're hoping to go uh, afterwards uh, if you do get accepted to uh, one of these programs or when you get accepted. Yeah, right now I'm actually looking at only residencies in California. And so the 
the reason I'm looking at California, um, not 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 just the weather. I'm kind of sick of the cold here in the yeah, Midwest. Sure. But I, they're another very progressive state in healthcare. They, for example, they already have provider status for pharmacists, and I feel like there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit and go-getters out there, people who are looking to change the world out in California. Yeah, a lot of things go from the west uh, to the middle sometimes. Uh, Anna Shields, uh, also who went to Drake University, went uh, to Kelly Ross Pharmacy up in Washington State, and they got provider status this or get provider status this January. So it's uh, always interesting it's to awesome. see. See, yeah, it's it's great to see how uh, you guys are kind of going. Okay, well, we're still going to need those states that don't have provider status or those states that are kind of in the 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 middle. They need people that have gone to a provider status state and then can come back and say, here are the things that uh, happen with it. Because I remember talking to Anna and it's, she's like, it's not as easy as it sounds like, okay, we got provider status all as well. Uh, there's a lot uh, mm-hmm. more to it. Um, so you talked a little bit about uh, accreditation. You talked about um, uh, managed care residencies a little bit and, and accredited versus non-accredited. But uh, tell me a little bit about uh, maybe someone who's pioneered their own residency. Uh, um, we had someone from Iowa who, uh, Robert Nichols, who's thinking about going up to, uh, an, I want to say it's Cedar Falls, uh, and he's he's maybe set up one uh, for himself. Uh, tell me about that, because that just sounds really interesting that someone would, would set up their own residency. Yeah, so I actually know one person from our school her name's sarah anderson she graduated a few years ago but she was able to do a managed care rotation at one of the sites here in the twin cities at medica and through that experience she had such a good time connected really well with the preceptor developed a business plan presented that to leadership and they decided it was a good idea to to start up that residency so it's pretty amazing that that she did that. Is now tell me about. I'm gonna guess that part of that trip or what she did started in AMCP in Washington D.C. Can you tell me about the Nexus meeting? Because I don't think everyone knows about that one. Uh, a lot of people know about APHA and ASHP, but uh, this one's really interesting to me. Tell me a little bit more about AMCP Nexus in D.C. Sure. Well, so. AMCP has two big meetings each year. They have their annual meeting, which is in April, and then they have a smaller fall meeting, and that's the Nexus meeting. So the AMCP Nexus meeting is a little more geared towards having introductory sessions on managed care concepts. So it's more I would say it's more geared towards pharmacy students in that respect. And they, in addition to that, they also have the AMCP Managed Care Pharmacy Residency Showcase. And so a lot of different managed care residency programs from across the country will attend this conference at this showcase to, to, meet, to give the students an opportunity to meet them and learn more about the programs. Okay. So I, I understand. This in, uh-huh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. This year is in Washington, D.C., but it changes every year. Um, last time I went, it was in Boston, um, and just so happens it was in D.C. this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's it's um, my hometown, and and uh, I, I really wish I, I could have made it out there. Um, but tell me a little bit more about this 
managed care just in general. So uh, you're drawn to managed care. Many people are drawn to pharmacy because they want to see progress in people's lives. But I feel like with managed care, uh, we talked a little bit about this, you can impact more than just the one-on-one. So tell me a little bit more about the reach of managed care and managed care pharmacy. Yeah, so managed care pharmacy to me is looking at pharmacy from a population health perspective. As a managed care pharmacist, rather than working one-on-one with patients, you have the opportunity to make an impact on the lives of millions. Managed care pharmacists are making very important decisions. You're, You're deciding how do you balance access versus affordability? How do we utilize scarce healthcare resources to provide the greatest value to the most people? It's great that we have a thriving pipeline of pharmaceutical innovations, but how do we provide the greatest value from these without going bankrupt? No, um, I agree. Ma- mm-hmm. Managed care is, is kind of like a specialty of pharmacy, kind of like how cardiology is a specialty of medicine. There's a large learning curve of new term- terminology and concepts to understand before you can play the game. So what type of companies what type of companies exist? What kind of strategic partnerships do they engage in? Are, do they have an integrated medical and pharmacy benefit or are they separate? Do they have partnerships with providers? What kind of strategies do managed care companies use to manage the use of medications? Do they use quantity limits, step therapy programs, prior authorizations? How do pharmaceutical rebates affect all this? So tell me about the specialty pharmacy market because that is seems to be driving a lot of what's going on in managed care where now you've got it from both ends where you've got these uh, drugs that were supposed to be dormant and cheap now are expensive and now you've got specialty drugs which are expensive. Uh, tell me about the specialty mm-hmm. market and how this is kind of coming uh, to a head. Well, a really good example is in the hepatitis C market. We've had drugs like Sivaldi that cost $84,000 per treatment. And it's amazing that we have an actual cure for hepatitis C now, Um, but they're very expensive medications and managed care companies have been scrambling to to decide how how are we gonna cover these? Because they cost so much. Yeah, Um, and and, and that's the cost to Americans. I feel like that cost isn't the same if I were to go to the UK uh, it and while this I don't think it's legal, but you literally could fly someone first class to the UK, bring them back, have them treated there, and it would still be cheaper than that eighty four thousand. So it's just what exactly. are the solutions that we can come up with? And it sounds like that's going to be part of uh, what you're doing after uh, pharmacy school. We'll we'll be exploring what we can do to try to manage the use. <laughs> yeah, it, and it really is. Uh, I, I I don't have any answers for it. Um, tell me a little bit about summer internships uh, and how those kind of play into things. I feel like pharmacy school is such a busy time. You're you're trying to get your clinical knowledge. You're trying to get everything for the boards. You're trying to you know be a good leader within uh, your organization. Uh, what is it you can do in summers? So one opportunity is through AMCP, they offer a variety of different summer internships that you could apply to and, and hopefully get. Um, and some of them are paired with pharmaceutical companies, so you can get both managed care experience and pharmaceutical industry experience. Um, there's a lot of overlap between the two industries. Um, but if, if you're not able to get one of those summer internships, you can look around for different companies around your 
your area or a different area to do a internship at, or you could do what I did and just um, network within the system you're already in and see if they have somebody managing medications or if they have their own PBM, you could try to do some kind of internship or shadowing experience. Okay. And then you told me your, uh, probably your most valuable experience uh, came within um, this uh, competition. Are the competitions part of internship or is that something separate? And can you tell me uh, why it was so valuable to you? Yeah. So the P&T competition is not a part of the internships. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that our school sets up um, separate. And what's the competition itself? I, I participated myself back in the dark ages in uh, patient counseling competition, but this sounds like a completely different thing. What, what is a P&T competition? I, I don't know what that would be. So in the competition, you and a team of four students are assigned a drug and given the task of deciding if you want to cover it or not and how you would recommend managing the use of the drug to a hypothetical insurance company. Okay, and then you got to the Elite Eight by making the value judgments based. Uh, you're, they've, they assess the way that you've made your decision. It's not necessarily right or wrong that you covered it or didn't. It's how you decided it. Is that right? Something like that? Yep. So for the competition, you you produce a variety of documents. And so there's there's a, in the competition beginning, the AMCP national organization provides you a pretty large document called the dossier, which has basically all the information you would get from a manufacturer in real life if you were working for a managed care company. One of the tasks of the team is to evaluate the dossier. Is this relevant information? Is the manufacturer giving you the best information? And then you write up a a review of the dossier. So that's one big portion of of the competition and evaluating it clinically and finding different um, patient populations where the drug might be more valuable or not. The second part of of the competition is developing a presentation. So you, in the competition, there'll be a 25 minute presentation that you present in front of a panel of judges. And so after you, after you compete at the local level, say you win your competition at your own school, each winner of each school is submitted to the national AMCP organization, and they select the top eight teams from across the country to compete at their annual meeting in April. And so that's what happened to our team last year is that we won our school's local PNT competition, submitted our materials and presentation to AMCP, and they chose us as one of the top eight teams to compete in April. Oh, that's stellar. That's fantastic. Well, uh, we're getting closer to 30 minutes here, so I want to see if I could get um, some blanket advice you might have for new graduates um, that, uh, you know, are, are going to be out there. You know, we've, we've got all the P4s doing their APPEs. They're scrambling for residencies and things like that. Uh, what advice do you give to them uh, as they're listening to the podcast on their way to, to work or to their APPE rotation as to what uh, they should best do to get the job they want? Well, I think while you're still in school, it's important to explore all the opportunities available to pharmacists. There are so many different types of roles you can have with a PharmD degree. 
keep an open mind. The role of pharmacists is rapidly evolving, and students graduating pharmacy school today will likely be working in jobs not yet created. Make sure you are always looking forward for new opportunities. What's next? How can pharmacists be leaders in the next generation of healthcare? What will pharmacists, how, how will pharmacists be using our clinical skills in the future? How will pharmacists lead with specialty drugs? How will pharmacies use, how will pharmacists use big data and outcomes to make decisions? While in school, I would do something outside of the classroom. Choose a pharmacy organization and get involved early. Challenge yourself and find ways to gain leadership experience. Everyone graduates pharmacy school with a PharmD degree. So what are you going to do to stand out from the crowd? <laughs> leadership, leadership positions, conferences, presentations, competitions, electives, internships, rotations, research, legislative days. Also stay educated and up to date on pharmacy and healthcare news. Advice I've heard from older pharmacists is to read the newspaper, but today we have Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook where you can easily customize your newsfeed to stay relevant. It's one of the reasons I got involved on Twitter. No, I, I've, I've heard very different things about Twitter and, and I use it to connect other people, but I've heard that some people just use it to, to stay current and it's just a really quick news feed. You don't have to figure out RSS or anything like that. You just go on Twitter, follow these people, they put out good posts uh, and you get what you want. Well, the contact information we'll put in the show notes um, for us and I just have a couple of questions at the end uh, just to kind of get the best uh, tips that you might have. What's your best daily ritual to keep your work on track? Prioritization. Your time is your most valuable resource. There are so many ways, there are so many things you can accomplish in one day, but you have to decide what's the most important. Yeah, I think that actually, and it sounds like that changed a little bit for you as you went through pharmacy school. What's the best career advice you've ever received? Make sure you are always offering value to any relationship. Yeah, I think a lot of people think, okay, well, this is what I can get out of it. But if you look at it from the other way around, I think that's fantastic advice. And what inspires you? What inspires me the most is having the opportunity to make an impact in the most important aspect of people's lives, their health, and working with people who are just as passionate as me about improving the health of people's lives and changing the world. Yeah, we've heard, you know, if you don't have your health, you've got nothing. So I have to agree with you there. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you, Sony. It was a pleasure speaking with you and your audience today. If you're interested in being on the Pharmacy Future Leaders, contact me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of the Pharmacy Podcast, Pharmacy Future Leaders, contact Todd Yuri at PharmacyPodcast.com. We thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders.